for me, profit's actually a different thing to think about because in a lot of ways, most everyone focuses on revenue. Mm -hmm. And revenue really, I'll be honest here, guys, revenue is a vanity metric. Yeah, let's say that again. Revenue is a vanity metric. You're listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond. And now, your hosts, Rianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. Hello there, Brianne. Hello. <laughs> I'm laughing because I laugh every time. Like almost every time you, you say hello in that particular way. Well, I'm actually really excited to talk about this particular topic today. And it's the number one complaint that we tend to get. And that is being stuck in the day-to-day. There's being stuck in the day-to-day and there's like all of this productivity advice and there's all of this life hacks and all of this kind of stuff. But in my experience, none of those things last, right? It's like you get out of the day to day and then you like the next week or the next day, sometimes you slowly fall off the bandwagon or sometimes you just hop right off. And, And especially when you're growing a business, it feels like And it's true, there's always more stuff that needs to be done. And so really what I wanna focus on today is getting us to the root cause of what's actually going on that's causing us to get stuck in the day-to-day. We're into our third episode now, and you know the first episode, we kind of set the scene. The second episode was really talking about our story and the mistakes that we made in growing and scaling our business. And it's usually at this point if I were be to be doing like a workshop or a presentation, it's usually at this point that I would want to do a, an acknowledgement, which is that we're recording today from the traditional unceded territory of the Coast Salish people and specifically the Qualicum First Nations. And, and Jill, I know you have a personal connection to this idea of traditional lands. And, and I would love for you to share a little bit before we get into the assessment part of the episode today. Briefly, she says. <laughs> I don't know if I can be brief on this topic, but I'll try. So some of you may know this already, some of you may not, but I actually am of Métis er- heritage. And it's a heritage that I actually didn't know about until I was an adult. And I've been exploring ever since I found out. and. One of the big things for me that was really shocking when we moved from Alberta, Canada over into British Columbia, we're now on Vancouver Island, is that pretty much all of the area west of the Rockies is unseated. There was no treaty agreements. There was no nothing. Basically, the colonists came in and just took over the land without any kind of agreement. They didn't even try to make an agreement. And I mean, there's all kinds of problems with the treaties. I'm not saying that treaties are oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> are, are yep. good or anything like that. But your background being of, of Indigenous descent, my experience being a very white person of very European descent, it's just become really important for us to be able to acknowledge that as a way of expressing our values and through our business values. And so whether it's a, a workshop 
or a podcast or whatever the frame is, that's an acknowledgement that we like to make verbally. And then we also, and I'm, we'll talk about this as we go forward, other ways that we demonstrate our values through our business, you know, whether it's financial support or other forms of support as well. Yeah, I think that's just a really good acknowledgement to make. And it sets us up for this conversation, which is how do we, as we're growing a business, how, as we're scaling a business, do we do it in a way that's in alignment with our values? We were talking in this case about values around essentially equity and justice and social issues of that regard. But for a lot of people, one of the biggest challenges that they have with their values is trying to figure out how to grow and scale their business while still being able to be there for family, for a spouse, for children, for volunteering, for causes that they care about. And I don't know, Jill, we can play a little game here. All right, let's play a game. So what happens, I want you to imagine that that you're one of our clients. What happens if someone comes to you and it's a problem that one of the customers has had and no one else can handle it. What happens? Who gets pulled in to solve that? If I'm being one of our clients, it would be me. Yes, exactly. Because I'm the only one that can solve it, obviously. Exactly. When it comes to your team and managing them and making sure that stuff gets done, whose job is that one? Yeah, that's me, definitely. And if push comes to shove and like maybe the bank account's getting a little low, (laughs) cash flow isn't working, who's the person who needs to jump in with both feet to figure out how to solve that problem? I'm raising my hand. Yeah, right? I'm bashful as I'm raising my hand, by the way. (laughs) And uh, thank you for role playing and playing along with me, pretending to be one of our clients. But each of those, I think, is a real example of what we've seen with our clients about the things that pull them away from being able to spend time where their values say they should be able to spend their time. Exactly. And it's interesting, right? Because these three areas actually directly reflect, and, and we'll talk about this more as we go into this season, but they directly reflect what we consider to be the three pillars of any business, especially an online one. You might have heard me call it the three structures. In our last episode, we teased that we were going to be talking about the visionary CEO framework, which consists of these three structures. Yes. Yeah. Structures, pillars. I like to call them pillars. I always think of it as like a house. Yeah. But yes, structures works as well. So these three structures, it's interesting with them because they are both independent and also interrelated. So the first structure is how you get results for clients. That's the first structure, right? Everything from how you get the right people in the door to what happens after they finished working with you, right? Maybe that's a source of referrals or whatever, they become a repeat buyer, but that whole experience of how you get results is everything you do with the client. Yeah. I always think of it as like the the journey that they go through. It's like a a narrative arc. 
Yeah. Where they start out even before they, as you said, before they even purchase really, right? When they're first introduced to you and that journey following them through, I don't don't know, it's always Star Wars for me, following them through, Luke leaves Tatooine, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) So that's like the first structure. And then the second structure is the team structure. So you've got people, whether you're the only person on your team, you've still got a team, it's just a team of one, or you've got other people on it. And so how do those people work together? How much do they involve you? What do they actually do? All of those elements are your team structure. (laughs) I'm laughing because uh, in a recent uh, coaching call, I was explaining this to someone as finding not only the right butts in the right seats, you always hear that, we've got to get the right butt in the right seat, but it's actually about finding to the right seats that go in the right vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to have a bus seat in a Ferrari. Yeah. That's the Jim Collins saying, right? And I think it's in good to great. It's more than just who you have. It's like, how do the people you have fit together? What does that structure look like? And then the last one is actually the profit structure. And that's the way that you use the money that comes into your business to fuel growth. And this is everything from ensuring that everything and everyone involved is taken care of financially, but it's also about making sure that you're investing looking forward. It's not just about keeping everything going as it is, but going forward and investing in your growth and scalability. That's something that I first heard from Parker Stevenson, who's the co-founder of Evolved Finance. And what Parker said years ago, and it stuck with me ever since, is the money that comes into your business you need to know how you're going to use that to create future growth. And we'll get into that as we talk about it. But as you hinted at before, Jill, really, whenever any one of these things is out of whack, right, your results aren't working the way they should be, your team isn't working the way it should be, the finances or the profit aren't working the way it should be, inevitably you get pulled in to fix it. And so if we wanna get you out of the day-to-day, we need to essentially be able to assess and then strengthen each of those structures so that you don't keep getting sucked down into the weeds. So let's dive into these structures each a little bit more deeply. Yeah, I think the results structure is a really interesting one to look at first because Ultimately, for me, the question that we need to answer isn't just what does a good result structure look like, but what does a scalable result structure look like? That, I think, is the really important thing to think about, because when we talk about scalable, there's ultimately, from my perspective, three currencies that, as a business owner, I want to increase as I scale. I want to increase my income or my profit, depending on, you know, whether you're looking at business money or personal money. I want to increase my personal freedom, my ability to do what I want, to not have to work all the time. And I want to be able to increase my impact. I want to be able to help more people. And by results, we're not just talking about like the end result of the client, like the client getting their ultimate result. We're also talking in the sense of going from a high touch to a low touch when what you want is to have a high touch experience for your clients and feeling like you cannot give that high touch experience because of your limitation, your inability to scale up that offer. And so this is where a lot of people will sacrifice on the ability to give the kind of experience and the kind of results they want. And they think the solution is I need to create a course or I need to create a group program or I need to sacrifice the experience that I'm creating or the results that I'm creating because it's the only way to scale. But on the flip side, what I see some other people do 
is they know they want to keep the experience the same. So the only thing that they can think of is that they need to add more people, right? They either need to clone themselves or they need to build a big team. And that keeps the results high, but then you're going to see your income slash profitability and your freedom decline. Yeah, absolutely. And again, just going back to examples from our clients, like we've had any number of people that have, have tried to clone themselves and they're paying those people more than they're paying themselves. Actually, we've had clients come in that haven't been paying themselves for months because they've been trying to pay their team in order to deliver the results that they want to give to their clients. Whatever you do for results, having a scalable results structure is dependent on having a scalable profit structure. It's dependent on having a scalable team structure. And at the same time, it's worthwhile to look at those structures individually and to assess them individually. So I always like to do traffic lights. Our clients, I know you do. You and your traffic lights. Right. And yet Red, you don't yellow, drive. green. I, I hate driving. Yeah. I can drive. Let's just be clear. I can drive. I just prefer not to. And Jill is kind enough to chauffeur me around everywhere I want to go that I can't walk. So it works. Anyway, anyway. red, yellow, green. <laughs> yeah. So let's just do a really quick red, yellow, green assessment of how do you know if you've got a scalable results structure? So Jill, what's like a completely unscalable red light <laughs> results structure look like? So this is when your results structure, how it's working right now is 100% keeping you down in the weeds day to day. And if you stepped away, everything would stop. Yeah. And then this is the kind of thing where you end up like you're going on vacation and it's not a vacation because you're spending all of your time working while your family is out on the beach. Exactly. The opposite of that is what people think is the alternative, right? So they go straight from red to green and green is like, okay, so scalable means that I don't have to do anything when it comes to client results. I don't have to create anything. I don't have to record anything. I don't have to do videos. I don't have to do like quality assurance. I don't have to check up on the team. I don't have to show up on calls. I don't have to do any of it. It all runs completely without me and it's fine. But the thing is that you don't go straight from red to green. They get stuck trying to go from red to green because they don't know that yellow exists. And I think actually a lot of people listening to this are actually probably stuck in the yellow. And that's why they're confused because they're like, why isn't this working? They don't realize that this is a stage on the way to green. So yeah. what's yellow all about when it comes to the results structure? Yeah, yellow is the interesting one because that's where you can actually take that step back for a little while and things still stop eventually. Maybe you have to do a course or a program, but you still need to be there to deliver it. And when it comes to marketing things like that or updating the materials, creating new IP or trainings, you're still the one doing to do it, but it doesn't have to be done right this second. Think of it like a car. If you take your foot off the gas, it will continue going for a period of time, but eventually it slows to a stop. That's actually, that's a really good analogy because if you're red on the results structure, it's like if you step away, the brakes go on, everything stops. If you're green, it's like you got cruise control, right? Like you can choose to press the gas pedal and take over driving the car, but you don't have to. The car is going to keep going or maybe it's a self-driving car. We can even go beyond that. <laughs> Yellow is where you're not, if you step away, the brakes don't go on, but you're also not going to keep moving forward and the business isn't going to keep growing forever and ever. So 
I think this is the point, Jill, where you always say this. I'm going to steal your thunder a little bit, which is that (laughs) when you do this assessment, it's not judgment, right? Mm -hmm. There's a time and a purpose for your business to be in red. There's a time and a purpose for your business to be in yellow. You need to go through red to get to yellow. You need to go through yellow to get to green. I'll do you one better. It's not just that you have to go through red. You have to start at red. Yeah. And by starting at red, that's how you get to yellow. And that's how you then get to green. Yeah. You, you, you will always start. You will always be in red sometime. All right. So that's the result structure and whatnot. But let's go into the next structure, which is the team structure. And when we're talking about structure, we're not talking about the people you've got. We're talking about something deeper than that. It's definitely not the people. It's not even the organizational structure, like how you would think of it from a traditional business perspective. It's not the org chart. Your team structure isn't your org chart. No. Your team structure is all about, when you drill down to it, your team is about the decisions and who's making decisions and when. And the biggest thing in here is quite often you get stuck making all of the decisions. You get stuck. It's unscalable when you have a whole bunch of people that have tasks, but no one's doing the work other than yourself, figuring out what needs to be done. So going back to that analogy with the car, right? If you're the one continuously making the decisions, you're the one continuously pushing the pedal. If you're not pushing that pedal, that car stops going forward. And so that's where we're talking about the team. What we're really talking about is who is able to make the decisions to overcome those obstacles. And many businesses are structured, they have a team structure, which is the hub and spoke model, which Mm -hmm. is, right, you've got all of these people and decisions and things going on, but they're all essentially circling around you. They're all tied back into you. Nothing happens without you being able to make a decision. You still had to drive that whole setup. You were still in the driver's seat. And I think what you're hinting at there is something that's really important to realize, which is that there are different levels and types of decisions. And that's why this is a team structure, because it's not just that you let your team make all the decisions. Everyone can make all the decisions. That's a really fast way to chaos. And Mm -hmm. so where the structure element comes in of team structure is determining which roles and which positions make which kinds of decisions and then figuring out who on your team is going to fill those roles, thereby making those decisions. In a lot of cases, you might not even recognize that you are making the decisions Mm. and that you are telling or you're implying even in some cases to your team what to do. There's a level there sometimes where you can actually not realize you're even making the decision. But red is when you constantly are getting questions about how to do things, what should I be doing, and when should I be doing this? Yeah. Whereas the green is when you've got implementers and helpers that are able to figure out the how for themselves, right? You've got managers who are able to hire and manage and coach themselves on the what's. And you've got leaders who are able to create the annual and quarterly priorities about when they should be focusing on this versus that with regards to the growth of the business. And then you get the opportunity to spend all of your time on just the where and the why, the true visionary aspect of being in the business and having that creative process of like why you got started in the first place. The really interesting thing for me here is not only are your implementers, your helpers, or even your managers figuring out those questions, when they have a problem, they're also coming up with the solution. 
Yeah. And they're just coming to you for approval if needed. And again, this is a spectrum, right? We're talking about a traffic light as if it's red, yellow, green as independent, (laughs) unique things. But the goal of scalability and creating a scalable team structure is to actually move yourself from red to yellow and from yellow to green over time. That's the process of putting in a scalable structure. So we talked about the red, we talked about the green. Before we move on to our third structure, which is profit, let's talk about what the yellow is on the team structure. The team is starting to make most, maybe all of the decisions about how to do the things, but you're still the one that has to set the goal and tell them about the projects and when they should be working on them and all of those kinds of things. So in essence, you're making the, what is it, the four W's? the where, when, (laughs) why, and what decisions. And they're starting to make most or all of the how decisions. And we didn't talk about the who decision. You're probably making all of the who decisions as well. Yeah, (laughs) five W's and an H, right? When you're doing this assessment for yourself and you're trying to figure out where you are on this spectrum, you're in the red if all of those decisions, if all of the questions keep coming back to you. You're in the yellow if the team is figuring out how to do the things, but you're the one figuring out the projects, you're the one setting out the goals, you're the one who's doing quarterly planning. Like that's, as you said, Jill, that's the what and the when kind of level. And you're really moving toward the green when you aren't even having to make those decisions. When you're able to move and just focus on the where and the why, and the team is doing all the planning, all the strategizing, all the figuring out of the plans, all of the hiring, all of those decisions, and you're just running the ship. I I always say this one's interesting, but for me, profit's actually a different thing to think about because in a lot of ways, most everyone focuses on revenue. Mm -hmm. And revenue really, I'll be honest here, guys, revenue is a vanity metric. Yep. Yeah, let's say that again. Revenue, revenue is, is a vanity, vanity metric. It is revenue absolutely is a vanity, vanity metric. Yeah. And the reason I say this is you can have a $1 million business, but if your operating expenses and your salaries and your taxes eat up 800 grand of that, you actually only have a $200,000 business. Yeah, especially for those people, like I'm thinking again, online business space, and they have a million dollar launch and 500 of that right off the top went to their affiliates that was never their money you don't want to see a linear increase in growth so if you add on one person you don't want to see your capacity for having clients double you actually want to see it increase more than that for every person that you come on Uh, for you math geeks out there it's a logarithmic growth projection or sorry it's exponential. exponential (laughs) <laughs> for you, math. Logarithm, for you, logarithmic would be what actually most people end up in, which is that it's a declining profit as their business yes. grows. That's the problem that agencies have, which yes. is that they add more people and it gets more expensive, expensive. as they grow, yeah. and they end up with that downward curve of their profit. Yes. Yes, I meant exponential. It just reversed in my head. So <laughs> yes, it's an exponential growth curve. When you're focusing in and when you're looking at profit and you're trying to assess it. The biggest thing to look at is how is it changing over time? Every time you add people to your team, 
you're adding complexity. You're adding Mm -hmm. decisions that need to be made. You're adding different ways of getting results. The moving pieces multiply faster. And that's why you need to get to a point where, you know, maybe the first person I hire, they help me take on five more clients. The next person I hire, they help us take on 10 more clients. The next person we hire, they help us take on 15 or 20 more clients. And keep in mind when we're talking about hiring in this fashion, we're not just talking about hiring from a delivery standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. A hire that you bring in for helping in marketing will take weight off of whoever has been doing the marketing so they can focus on doing something else that will bring in more people. When money comes into your business, it's not that you want to be using it to pay backwards. So it's not that money comes in and I pay for the expenses that I had last month. What we want to do is money comes into my business and I'm going to have a plan for how to use that money to be able to create future growth. I want to have $1,000 come in and I want to know that I'm going to be able to turn that into $10,000 because I have a plan. That's what a profit structure is. It's the plan for how you're going to use the money in a systematic way to be able to create more money in the future. But you probably started off your business looking at, these are my expenses, I need to make this much to cover them. What we're talking about is the opposite. I'm gonna make this much, but I'm gonna use this money to fuel future growth, which is what the green level of a truly 100% scalable profit structure looks like. Yeah, exactly. Now, first off, caveat, I am totally a math geek. I have my bachelor's in mathematics and computer science, so self-proclaimed math geek sitting right here. So for the green, That's when you have that really clear profit structure. And that means that you don't have to hustle when you want to make an investment. You already have the funds there. It's like having a stress relief, right? Mm -hmm. Because you don't have to hunt. You don't have to scrounge. The, The classic example that I've seen so many times with our clients here, when they get to the green, I'm thinking like of a service based business and they're used to having to hire just to be able to finish the projects that they made the money for and then they don't have money so they have to go get another job to pay for the team that they just hired and then they have to go get another job to pay. The flip side of that and where we want you to get to to have a truly scalable profit structure is you are paying for the resources required to generate next month's revenue. Like I've already got the team in January and I've already made the money in January that's going to pay for that team in February. And so that's where you start to do some basic budgeting for yourself. You're setting aside profit every month in addition to paying yourself. Yeah. Okay. But if push comes to shove, you're still the one that needs to get down into the weeds to make more cash. So that's where yellow starts to come into play. For the most part, you've got profit. If you've read the book, Profit First by Mike Michalowicz, you've got this idea. That's the yellow area of a profit structure is this profit first kind of idea where you're putting aside your profit, you're paying yourself, but you're not necessarily looking at the money coming in as a growth plan yet. I want to just amend one thing here. And it's something that comes up quite often with our clients when we're talking about the profit structure is they say to me, okay, but my accountant just gave me my P&L, my profit and loss report, and it's showing a profit. Mm-hmm. See, the thing of it is that those P&Ls don't always take into account things like owner's draw. Yeah. How much did you pay yourself? That usually shows up on the profit and loss as profit, but that money actually had a job. It was being used to pay you. 
Mm-hmm. Or to pay off loans that you already yeah. had or back fees or anything along those lines. Those don't mm-hmm. often show up on P&Ls in a typical accounting report. That's why this litmus test and this red, yellow, green assessment isn't about what does your P&L say? It's about do you have a plan for how to use the money you've got to create future growth in the business without having to go and hustle, without having to go and make more sales just to be able to pay for all the expenses you currently have. That's a really great point. Yeah. So those are the three structures. Those are the three assessments. You need to have a strong result structure, a strong profit structure, a strong team structure. You've got an idea of where you live on this red, yellow, green spectrum. And really, The question is, number one, where do you start by focusing? And then second, how do you approach them so that they not only get really strong individually and independently, but they become strong together? Now, the good news is that we're going to be spending the next six episodes digging into all of the details about how. Before we talk about that and what that's going to look like, Jill, Tell us a little bit, though, about how they know where to focus, because we always focus in the same place first. So why don't you share with the folks who are listening, how do they know which of these areas to focus on first? Yeah, the best area that we've found to focus on first, and this is through experience with all of our clients and even ourselves, is to focus on the results and its intersection with team and profit. Yeah. It's it's reason that we do that is the same thing that we talked about off the top is that results are often the place where you find yourself in this false dichotomy where it's like, oh, I either have to give up my profit in order to build a really big team or I have to just work harder in order to have a big profit, maybe sacrifice my results along the way. And so long as that's the paradigm that you're operating under, you're never going to unleash true scalability in your business, which is why, as you said, Jill, you have to start looking at the model, the way that you generate results profitably and scalably and with the support of your team. If you try and scale your team before you've scaled your results, it's often that it ends up being backwards because well, you, you have not a, being profitable. You've got yeah. such a big team, you can't pay for them because you don't have the ability to take on enough clients to pay for them. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. you've, you've at times actually even hired on the wrong people. We've seen that yeah. a number of times. Yeah. So this is episode three. Episodes four and five, so the next two that are coming up, are going to be talking all about how in detail, we're actually going to give you the step-by-step of how you can create a scalable model that's going to allow you to increase both results and profit at the same time. And then for episode six and seven, we're going to be talking about how you can take get your team taking more ownership over those results and with having scalable operations as well. Exactly, right? So we've got results, Profit. We start to talk about team by episode seven, episodes eight and nine. We're going to bring this all together and talk about how you can empower your team so that they're efficient, so that they're effective, and so that they are generating a ton of profit with something I'm so excited to talk about, which is scalable culture. So we got scalable models, scalable operations, and scalable culture coming up in our next six episodes. I can't wait. Jill, why don't you send us on home? And so that's what we're going to be talking about over our next six episodes. And yeah, as Brianne said, I can't wait to to dive into this. This is such fun to talk about. And I think you guys are going to get a lot out of it. There's going to be a lot of really good takeaways and a lot of things for you to look at into your own business. 
And so in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your day. And we hope you'll join us next time on the Visionary CEO Podcast. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, hosted and produced by Brian Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag Visionary CEO Podcast. This has been a Podcast Taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy. Hey, it's Brianne here. I just wanted to let you know that everything we're talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with clients at the Visionary CEO Academy. We've got a great program for strategists, coaches, and other online business owners that helps you scale from low or mid six figures to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably, and profitably. But most importantly, while keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast for more info and to get started.